Sunday blessings to all of you. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the Paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the 17th Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is a familiar voice, St. Gregory of Nyssa. Admittedly, Choosing an ancient voice for this Sunday is a challenging one. A number of the fathers of the Church and ancient Christian writers, such as Tertullian, Origen, St. Cyprian of Carthage, St. Cyril of Jerusalem, have all left us commentaries on the Lord's Prayer. Many more have included brief insights in their works, on Christian living. It is a testimony to the prayer's centrality in living out the baptismal call to holiness. As noted in the podcast description, the Catechism of the Catholic Church has a wonderful commentary on the Lord's Prayer and includes citations from many of the Fathers of the Church and ancient Christian writers. It is a great compliment to this Sunday's Gospel Proclamation. As for St. Gregory, his commentary on the Lord's Prayer is structured as a series of sermons. He also draws upon his familiarity with the medical world of the time and employs it analogously in reflecting on the Lord's Prayer, as well as other dimensions of Christian living. And now, from St. Gregory of Nyssa's Sermons on the Lord's Prayer. When you pray, say, Our Father, who art in heaven. In one of the Psalms, the great David asks, Who will give me wings like a dove? I, too, would boldly use the same words. Who is there to give me those wings by which my mind might take its flight to the heights envisioned in the noble words of this petition? Leaving behind all that is of earth, I would advance 
and move through the middle air. I would attain to the beauty of ethereal space, reach the stars and contemplate their order and arrangement. However, I would not stop even there. Progressing beyond them, I would abandon as alien everything subject to movement and change. Then I would at last perceive that nature which is immutable, the unchanging power existing in its own right as it guides and sustains all things in being. For all are dependent on the ineffable will of divine wisdom. Thus must my mind, detached from all that is subject to motion, flux, and change, come to rest quietly in a spiritual repose without movement. Then will I be made like him who is perfectly unchangeable. Then will I be able to address him by that intimate name and say, Father. What spirit must there be in a person who would pronounce this word? What trust? What a pure conscience. Let us suppose that a man might seek to know God as much as possible by considering the names that have been invented for the deity and thus arrive at an understanding of God's ineffable glory. That man would learn that whatever the divine nature is in itself, it is absolute goodness, holiness, joy, power, glory, and purity. It is eternity, absolutely and always the same. Considering these things and all things besides that, could we learn through the sacred scriptures or through meditation? Could anyone dare to utter this word and call God Father? If a man has any sense, he would, surely, not dare to call God by this name, Father, since he does not find himself the things he sees in God. Therefore, if the Lord in his prayer teaches us to call God Father, it would seem that what he is doing is giving us, as our law, the most sublime law. Truth does not teach us to deceive by saying that we are something we are not, or by using a name to which we have no claim. Therefore, it is dangerous for us to dare to offer this prayer and to call God our Father, 
before our lives have been purified. At one time, we humans, as intelligent beings, were healthy. For the movement of our soul, which corresponds to the elements of the universe, were balanced evenly within us, in every manner in the harmony of virtue. Then the element of concupiscence became dominant, defeating its opposite, continence, as a strong enemy overpowers a conquered warrior. No longer were the inordinate desires for things forbidden held in check. In this way, the fatal disease of sin was introduced into our human nature. For this reason, the true physician of the diseases of our soul shared our life so as to heal those who were ill. He gradually lessens the root of the disease through the meaning of this prayer. Thus are we restored by him to spiritual health. Now the health of our soul is the fulfillment of the divine will, even as the disease that leads to death for the soul is failure to do the good that is this will. We fell into sickness when we abandoned the healthful way of life in paradise to fill ourselves with disobedience, a poison that overcame our nature through an evil, deadly disease. The true physician then came to follow the law of medicine, healing us fully through introducing into our being a healing contrary to the sickness. He frees us from illness. Those who had fallen prey to disease by separation from God's will, and does this by uniting them again to the divine will. It is the words of this prayer which bring about the cure of the soul's disease. Our physician prays as if his own soul were steeped in pain. Quote, Thy will be done, unquote. For the will of God is our salvation. If, then, we are to say, Thy will be done in me, also, it is absolutely necessary that we, first of all, renounce all that is opposed to this will, confessing humbly all the evil we have done. What we mean to say is this. The will that has been opposed to God throughout my life has brought evil to my soul. I have served a wicked master and have become the executioner 
of my own soul. Have mercy on me. Relieve my misery. Grant that now, at last, thy will may be fulfilled in me. Just as darkness is dispelled when light penetrates a cave, so too, when thy will is done in me, every evil, wicked tendency of my free will is reduced to nothing. Then, continence will overcome the unbridled impulses of passion that dominate my mind. Humility will conquer haughtiness, and modesty will heal the ravages of pride. Charity, that highest good, will cast out my soul a multitude of contrary evils. In the presence of charity, hate, envy, anger, and all the violent reactions of our emotions disappear. With charity in our hearts, there is no room for us to be hypocritical or traitorous. There is no place to nurse injuries or plot revenge. Charity brings peace to the agitated heart and the covetous eye. When charity rules our lives, every evil is effaced. Thus does the will of God overcome and triumph over the twofold idolatry of slavery to false gods and of covetousness for gold and silver which the prophets call the idols of the Gentiles. For this do we pray. Thy will be done, so that the will of the evil one may be destroyed. St. Gregory of Nyssa, pray for us. Let us pray. O God, protector of those who hope in you, without whom nothing has firm foundation, nothing is holy, bestow in abundance your mercy upon us and grant that with you as our ruler and guide we may use the good things that pass in such a way as to hold fast even now to those that ever endure. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go 
and announce the gospel of the Lord.